Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. This is Season 2, Episode 5, The Dark Defender. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey, hey. And today's episode uh, is named after a comic book character that is based on the Barry Harbor Butcher and based on Dexter as a, uh extension of that. Um, there's some back and forth with Rita's mom. Uh, Deb is having adventures with her new boyfriend. What did you guys think of this episode overall? I'm just going to come out and say that I enjoyed it because uh, it, it dealt with comic books and, and superheroes and things of that nature. And even if it wasn't the most uh, amazing cinematic piece of art ever made for television, I always love things that deal with superheroes, so I was into it. I was just okay with it. It wasn't anything... I mean, I didn't love this episode. I didn't dislike this episode. It was just a very middle ground episode for me. I enjoyed the ridiculous comic book aspects, but (laughs) uh, as a whole, the episode was just alright. So yeah, this is... uh I don't know if they ever will top this, but this episode is the most use of the song Aster's Birthday Party ever. Um, I think they thought that they had a song that could, like, spare as a superhero theme for The Dark Defender, and so they kept using the, like, kind of twangy country part of that song whenever he was around, like, that down, 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 that thing. But it's it's always there. It's at the beginning of the episode. They play it at the end. They play it in the middle. Um, it's like if you if you were wanting to hear Astor's birthday party one more time, it's this is the episode to do it. I knew there was a reason I liked this episode so much. It's <laughs> <laughs> that song. Mm-hmm. Every day is Astor's birthday. Yes. So uh, it starts out with Dexter fantasizing that everyone loves him killing bad guys. He delivers coffee to Deb, who says, Sweet Mary Mother of Fuck, that's good. Uh, Dexter calls, it gets called to a murder scene at a comic shop. He finds an enormous snow globe that he believes is the murder weapon, and he also sees the Dark Defender comic book character that the dead man was working on. He falls asleep at an NAA meeting and has a fantasy about the Dark Defender rescuing him from his mom in the shipping container. And he tells Lila about that and his mother's murder. He's never told anyone that before. Dexter realizes that he's not sure what happened to the three men that killed his mother, and Lila tells him that he must seek them out to get closure. So, um... Who still likes Lila? <laughs> uh, I don't <laughs> did, like Lila. Did any of us... Did any of us say that we liked Lila? You all did. Not one time. Except for me. I did all... not. I did I, I say I liked Lila? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it like that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever uh, liked Lila. I'll pull up I'm the tape. T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still Team Lila. I think it was a good move. I think well, the best thing you can do is tell your sponsor about this crazy thing you've never told anyone before and then have her uh, instigate you to act on it. So I'm all for it. She leads him down so many good choices. She's really good for Dexter. <laughs> to be fair to Lila, so far this episode, she hasn't done anything horrible. I will say, at the beginning, I was like, well, she's a lot less annoying in this episode, but it did change, so. <laughs> yes. 
Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just... She just, there's just something about Lila. There's just something I, I cannot, I still cannot put my finger on it. It's, she's got this weird, like, if Russell Brand wasn't funny kind of thing going for her. Um, I just don't, I don't like it. Um, so it's more in her person and less in the character, right? Because as a character, what she's doing for Dexter is helping him to open up it, it, it maybe not be in the best ways but like you know not be s- such a monster held inside of a cage uh oh i was just saying it's it's more or less the fact that she's just maybe her acting skills are no off. no not at all no i'm not i'm not i'm not talking bad about the the actor um i'm i'm saying that lila is trash <laughs> um okay. that that's my thing um I feel like it's kind of both for me. I feel like it's, you know, I, I think possibly if somebody else portrayed the character, I maybe if it was something a little more subtle. She's just so overt about it all. I think it just maybe in different hands, not that she's bad, but she just doesn't fit, I think, what they could have done with the role and made it a little more subtle. Uh, but she, otherwise, she's just so obnoxious and aggressive. And I don't know. Yeah, I think they want you to not ever uh, doubt that Rita's a better match for him when you're watching the show, and so that's I think that's part of her being over the top. I understand that part of why the character has to be that way. Um, if she were a more grounded character, then she would sort of be more of a more of a real alternative to Rita for him. But a lot of what happens here is the juxtaposition of um, and, you know, sort of later in the episode when Angel first gets a look at her and starts kind of uh, drooling about it, she's she's there as this kind of funny juxtaposition for Dexter in that she's this kind of fantasy art girl archetype, right? She's, like, there because she's every guy's, like, uh, aesthetic fantasy but that's all lost on Dexter because he doesn't like he doesn't really even think that way about people he's not interested really in 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 making those kind of connections he's not going out and hooking up with people um, so I just I feel like they almost beat over the head too much that okay she's not Rita she's the anti-Rita to an almost too too much of a point yeah, it's true. Up to up to this point in the show, you can almost forgive some of her shortcomings because she does tend to have some decent advice for Dexter in certain points. But this episode is really a turning point for her character where she just she goes from being a a decent ancillary character to just full-blown annoying and and you want her gone. I disagree. I want her around much, much longer. Yeah, and I think I think you're supposed to. I think right. I think you're like. I think that's to be honest. Like that is how I felt the first time I watched the series. Was I was like, this is interesting. I'm interested in this character. Um, she 
takes her shirt off a lot. That that's cool. Um, right. She, I mean, literally, like that's that's how this works. This that's how this psychology of this thing works. So, um, and and the characters got like she's got some weird damage going on, and that's also interesting. Like I'm fascinated to know what happened to her that makes her drive her car into random objects on the street and steal them. Like. I want. I want to know what that stuff is. And now, with full knowledge of you know who she is and how things go for her, it's like, yeah, I don't really like this character anymore. But be that as it may, um, Batista and Lundy send teams to the marinas that have the slick with the algae that Masuka found. A new records keeper helps Dexter find a case file and some tapes. The tapes are a conversation between Harry and Laura Moser. She's a CI on a drug case. Dexter realizes that he wasn't found by Harry by chance. It was his case that got her killed. Angel leaves an angry message with his soon-to-be ex-wife about visitation bullshit. He stumbles across Lila being a pain and trying to get up to see Dexter. Angel is clearly into Lila and tells the Dex sergeant he'll escort her. Dexter is smashing a head with the snow globe in a white room to compare the spatter. Lila asks Dexter if he's found the three men. He tells her that one of the guys cut a deal and is running a bar somewhere. Dexter agrees to pick up Lila and take her to meet the man. So yeah, like her her showing up at work um, is you know an escalation on her part that Dexter doesn't really even like. He's annoyed when she walks into the blood spatter room, but he's just like you know, well you know, Rita sometimes shows up unannounced, and it's not that strange that Lila would do that. She's pretty aggressive. Um, but this also plants the seeds for her meeting with Angel for the first time, um, which Angel, I think, I think Zach, you and Angel share a uh, share a bond about Lila here. So, yeah, la passion, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I get it. I get it, though. Go ahead, Aaron. I was gonna say when she walks into the into the blood spatter room, I picked up that he, I didn't feel like he was annoyed. It was more that he she's seeing him in something that he truly enjoys, like seeing the blood spatter on the wall. Like he was really getting into smashing that head, and he is afraid that she's gonna pick up on that. Because he mentions that he see she sees him and she's not looking away, and so that yeah, there is a little bit. This scene was pretty important. Yeah, there is a little bit of fear on his part um, at the beginning, and I took that as trepidation about him just wanting to compartmentalize between you know what he does with Lila versus what he does at work versus what he does in his home life and what he does with Deb. He's a very compartmentalized person that way, where he has diff- not different personalities necessarily, but he has different stories to keep straight with all of those different uh, those different people. But no, you're right. Like Once uh, once she gets into it, and then later in the episode, when she's got the, the one blood spatter framed at her apartment, it's like, obviously she's a, she likes what he was doing and he likes that she likes that, so... I think um, there's yeah. I th- sorry, I, I was going to say something too with the fact that um, 
like what Aaron brought up with her uh, coming in to see Dexter at work. It's like maybe he doesn't know yet that he needs someone like this in his life. You know, like, yeah, he gets, he can be look like annoyed by it. But at the same time, is it something to where like he's he truly is finding someone who doesn't give a shit who he is, you know, Bay Harbor Butcher or not? You know, or if he's just a blood spatter guy or whatever it is, because I think like sometimes when you are, you're not sure what you want until you, 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 it's presented to you, you know. And then here we have Lila, who's she's persistently presenting herself in certain situations, and Dexter maybe not have didn't know that he, that's what he wanted until it happened. So I guess that's yeah. why I'm like, you know. Well, and she also she has is. she also has compromising information about Dexter, right? So. Yeah. A lot of the people at Miami Metro, in fact, all of the people at Miami Metro except Dokes, don't know that he's in NA. Um, and nobody other than Lila at this point know about his mom. And Lila has all that information and is pretty, uh, pretty lax with just saying whatever she feels like saying. So um, there's there's a fear there as well that you know, she might start talking about stuff that he doesn't want her to talk about. So, um, Lila asks Dexter to practice what he's going to say to his mother's killer with her. Dexter starts throwing hints about how he hides in plain sight and he's afraid to hurt people close to him. Um, Lila psychs Dexter up in a hotel room. Rita calls and Lila gets into the shower. She's stripping surreptitiously, hurting Dexter's ability to carry on a convincing conversation. And he tells her about her mom confronting him and she apologized and asks him to stop by the next day. And this is like the first real, like she's done a little bit of this before, just sort of like changing shirts in the apartment, like up in the loft while he was at her place before. But this is the first really overt, uh, sort of sexual thing that she's done with him. It's so calculated. She pretends that it's just, oh, I just happen to be getting in the shower in front of you, but she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, she has to walk by that door like eight times to get undressed. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very complicated outfit she had on. Yes. (laughs) I mean, from a male standpoint, you're in a position... Where you're in a room with a woman who's taking her clothes off and not being shy about it. I mean, yeah, like it's it, it, it's a catch twenty two. You're you know, and Dexter, poor guy, you know, he's he's living the, the his best life, <laughs> and that's a tough that's a tough tough position where you're on the phone with your girlfriend and your your British sponsor's taking your clothes off right in front of you. But she no, she wasn't. She was very calculated, and very you know into what she was doing. Um, you know, and it's it's funny too because like. In my mind, and not even really remembering back to the first time that I watched it, I was like, I know they hook up at some point, but I can't remember when. But I was like, this isn't that moment. I just knew it because I felt like she was playing the long con for a reason. And, you know, and I mean, and I think that's what this moment shows us is that she's willing to play the game, but not go all the way. And and that's an interesting standpoint or that's an interesting personality trait that she she has. Yeah, and she's also supposed to go with him to meet the guy, um, but he ends up ditching her, and it's probably partially because of what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. He's if if you didn't know the character better, you could mistake his reaction to what she's doing as 
he's too interested in Lila to talk to Rita. But really what it is is he doesn't know what Lila is about to do next, and he really doesn't want Rita to figure out that that's where he is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... Um, so then Dexter heads to the bar. He walks in, and there's a Dutch angle, and Gimme Shelter plays. His mother's killer asks what he wants, and Dexter orders a beer. Dexter calls Lila to give her an update. He's ditched her, and she's improving a hotel painting. Uh, Dexter stays past closing time until he's alone with the killer. He starts making small talk, and the man lies about whether he's been to Miami or not. He pulls a bat on Dexter, who says, Let me say what I need to say, and then I will go. The guy's a dick. Dexter says, I tried Lila's way, and starts beating the shit out of him. Uh, he recounts the details of the container killing, and the guy finally admits to it. He says they did it because she was a snitch to a cop who he was, uh, or who she, his mother, was sleeping with. Uh, Lila calls and Dexter's tell. Lila calls and Dexter tells her he's about to fall off the wagon. In this case, kill someone, and she tells him that if he does that, he will go back to being nothing, alone, etc. He leaves the man on the pool table and returns to Lila and collapses in her lap. So she, well. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, at this point in the story, like, she did successfully help him with his, um, with his addiction. Uh, the other thing that's, that's interesting here is he makes a point of saying, uh, that he doesn't have to kill him, which is different. It's like, he can actually control himself even at this late stage where he's you know, revealed himself to this guy and beaten him up and all that, and he can still walk away, which is, you know, at this point in his evolution, a uh, an improvement. Yeah, I think that, um, it, you know, it's definitely, like, very telling of Dexter's character at this point in the, sh- the run of the show uh, where he can say something like that and, and stick to it or mean it. And he has not killed much this season. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's the big Bay, uh, Bay Harbor butcher stuff, but at the same time, you know, he, he, how many people has he killed? Two at this point? I can't even like, well, yeah, yeah, he was in, I mean, he was unable to kill anyone after he killed Rudy in the finale of last season. So it took him a while to sort of get his mojo back. And then now that he's working with Lila, he's using N.A. as a proxy for uh, for his killing addiction. Mm-hmm. So, and if, do you even think Lila at this point, re- does she fully understand that he's a killer? Or do you think it's, no, she, no, it's no. an allusion to something else? Yeah. Because I think that like that could be confusing too where she's like, you know, she's like, I don't want you to kill, but she, I don't think she knows whatever the, off the fall off the wagon is to him. Yeah, I, I mean, she I... she senses something though. It's more than just... The narcotics. I think she senses there's something darker, but she doesn't know specifically what it is. And I think she kind of likes it too, right? Like oh, she's yeah. she's interested in what that darker side is. She wanted to see him like smashing that that whatever plaster head with the the uh, snow globe. She's into that whole side of things. So um, yeah, she likes. She wants him to be kind of a kind of a bad guy or whatever bad boy 
Well, and do we really think her encouraging him to find the guy who killed his mother was her being helpful or her just wanting him to go darker, you know? Yeah. It's my boyfriend can beat up your boyfriend kind of thing. Yeah, I think she just wants to see how far she can push. I don't think she had, she mm-hmm. knew that wasn't going to be a valuable, really, experience for him because how is that really helpful? Yeah, if, so long as he survives it. <laughs> right, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. To this point in the show, <clears throat> first season included, I don't really think you've seen Dexter angry like he was when he was beaten on this guy. Like, I, I can't think of a time that he's been really overcome with emotion like that unless you really count killing Rudy and, and that little display of emotion falling into the corner. Um, I mean, he so he had a emotional reaction when he knocked out Paul. Um, but as far as, like, beating someone down, yeah, I don't know. No, I think that's something that we are kind of seeing as this season is taking a turn. We see this anger that's building, and part of it probably is an extension of Rudy, and then all of this stuff that's being unloaded through Lila. I think we are seeing him develop a real anger. Um, It's just coming out more to the surface. We see it, I think, over this episode and a little bit further on in the season, if I remember. Yeah. Well, anger is a recognizable emotion, and that's not something that we're used to from Dexter, right? I mean, his killing has never been anger driven or motivated by anger it's been you know something that that he doesn't really understand even it's just a drive that he has yeah so with lila kind of breaking down these walls he's he's kind of she's kind of breaking down his ability to dehumanize and kind of shut out the world and part of that i'm sure breaks loose that anger that he's been holding in and all the structure that Harry gave him is falling apart because he's finding out that Harry wasn't all he was cracked up to be. So he's, like, all of the holes that are being made by um, what he's learning about Harry and his mother are being filled in by Lila. And she's not necessarily doing the most healthy things for him. So, um... Then Dexter wakes up. He's still in bed with Lila. It's morning. Lila recounts that a boyfriend that turned her into it that turned into her dealer is how she ended up in NA. Uh, she says she got high and burned her boyfriend's house down without knowing that he was passed out inside. Dexter asked her if he deserved it, and Lila says yes, he did. And Dexter says then he didn't do anything wrong. Finally, hear a little bit more about her backstory, though I'm not sure she's complete. That's the whole truth yet, but um, that's well, what she who's tells that, me. Who's that famous? person that burnt down her boyfriend's house. Uh, Is that, uh... uh, T-Boz from, uh, no, 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 Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC. From TLC. Yeah. (laughs) This is what that reminded me of. Yeah. It was like, oh, you know, he just, he he made me mad, so I burned his house down. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know he was in it. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, Dale. I think it's like uh, we we might not be getting the full story there, just because. Yeah, Dexter's not giving her the full story. She didn't have to give him the full story. It's a very, you know, mutual relationship. Yeah, she's a loose cannon. I, I, she is someone I could very much see, uh, not, not doing it because she didn't know he was inside, but because she knew he was. I don't remember if that's what happens or if that comes out later. But looking at Lila. And it wasn't an accident. From there, he goes out with Luminol to double-check his boat. 
There's a quick scene of Deb looking at a children's book with her boyfriend uh, during this montage that's also set to Astor's birthday party. And Dexter talks about his connection with Lila, final voiceover and montage set to Astor's birthday party. I really don't feel this scene would have worked without Astor's birthday party. (laughs) I really do think that they were trying to pass it off, because at the end of the episode, he's talking like he's the Dark Defender again, and I really do think they're like trying to pass it off as this hero's theme for the Dark Defender, and most people that don't know what the name of that song is would just assume that that's what it was for, probably, but I know it's Astro's So I didn't really pay attention. Did they change anything, like the tempo or anything at all? No. Dexter never gets new music. (laughs) After season one, you've heard everything that you're going to hear. Which I never would have noticed if you hadn't pointed it out, so now every time music starts up, I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) Here it is again. Yeah, that freaking blood theme is Uh, like, yeah, it never bothered me until you pointed everything. it out. Yeah. Well, and we play it at the end of every episode of the podcast, too, so... Yeah. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> I will have to do Aster's birthday party for this one, of course. Many times. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll just play um, it between every every uh, line that we say. <laughs> and now, Aster's birthday party again. <laughs> we'll keep a lot oh, of listening that enjoyment. way. <laughs> Uh, I did. I made a note of this. But did any was anybody else bothered by the placement of the camera when they pan up to the camera and then you see it sitting almost like behind one of the bullhorns? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, the security camera's the like not in a good place. No, it's just the worst. I was like, you, if you're gonna get anything, you're barely gonna catch up the side of the boat. And then, uh, yeah, I was just like, man. I mean, production value wise. I don't know. The cinematographer really let me down. <laughs> I think I I think the way it rationalized in my mind because it didn't strike me as a mistake when I saw it. I think the way I rationalized it was that's one of the cameras and maybe it was pointing at something that was behind where the point of view was that we were looking from. Um, but you're right. It does sound like it, it did seem like a like a second unit thing. It's like oh crap, we got to get a shot of a camera at the docks uh get michael c hall to just walk back from that boat and we'll shoot up and <laughs> clamp this uh this camera with a little blinky light on it steve you got a blinky yeah. light put a blinky light on it okay <laughs> all right great yeah blinky light signifies recording camera yeah. go cameras operating those are the rules we always put blinky lights on stealth cameras so the viewers know what's going on yeah, so, I'm sorry. Uh, it just yeah, it it bothered me. I'm glad every I'm glad everyone else agrees. <laughs> <laughs> but not uh, Lila. The magic of filmmaking. <laughs> the next plot line here is Deb and her boyfriend, um, who she's been being kind of weird about since the last episode. She's caught rifling through her new boyfriend's things. She confirms that her last boyfriend really was a killer, the ice truck killer. He claims he didn't know about the ice truck killer and he's not after her as what she uh, phrases as a trophy fuck. Um, And as an audience, I don't think we necessarily believe him yet because it gets much more ridiculous uh, as the episode goes along. Deb goes in to work and is talking to Lundy, but uh, they go out to the marina and he suddenly sits down, takes his shoes off and puts his feet in the water says cucumber sandwiches are all about the cream cheese 
I always stop and eat lunch at one o'clock. You learn that about me. He convinces Deb to take a break and put her feet in the water, and Astor's birthday party plays again. Um, she puts and one why? foot in the water. <laughs> yeah, she puts one foot in the water, which is like her compromise. Uh, and that whole thing is just like it, like the the two sides of the conversation. It's one of these ones where they're not talking about the same thing and she keeps trying to bring him back to talking about the case and he's talking about his sandwich and his his lunchtime habit and cream cheese and she's saying stuff like you know art shouldn't we be looking for clues or boats or something or whatever and she's just getting more and more frustrated and he's just you know doing that whole that whole Lundy thing of you learn this about me. It's just me I don't and Lundy. One o'clock. <laughs> I love yeah. Lundy. All right. I'd also like to point out that there was no sign of any cucumbers or possibly cream cheese <laughs> in that sandwich. There's yeah. a full-on shot of that sandwich. It I watched is... really close. It looked like there were cucumbers on that sandwich. I was studying. I, I want to replay. As a watcher <laughs> of the Blu-ray, I can confirm that there is both cucumbers and cream cheese on the sandwich. <laughs> All right, Netflix, step up your streaming service. <laughs> I was on Netflix. I saw the cucumbers. He, he, Maybe he I was did just cut the uh, the edges off of his bread as well, like if Fair like enough. a freaking five year old child. I guess if it all mixes together, it's kind of hard to tell. I was looking for distinct greens, but who knows? I'm just I'm so doing that bad for a few hours, and you know, it's probably getting a little rank at that point anyway. The big question is: Is how he cut it? Was it diagonal? It was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yep. Like I don't want him to be a savage. It was Sorry. diagonal. Yeah. <laughs> Cucumbers right. and cream cheese with uh, with the sides cut off. It's about a eighty two calorie meal there. That um, sounds fantastic. Certain to satisfy him until dinner time, <laughs> which he takes promptly at five thirty p.m. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he just takes insulin shots the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) He's a type 1 diabetic. You learned that about me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Deb tells Dexter that his slip was among those that the algae led to, and she says, you know, you should get a better place. Security sucks ass. Um, She looks at her new boyfriend's computer and sees that he's exchanging email about a book he's working on called The Ice Princess, she thinks maybe now he does know about the ice trick killer. Um, Lundy gives Deb a background check on Deb's boyfriend, who she broke up with over the emails. And it turns out Gabriel writes children's books. Deb says, how can I be so fucking stupid? It's like, well, because you're Deb and that's what you do. Um, Lundy tells Deb his wife died from cancer two years ago. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, if we're all sharing, then, you know, I, I lost a puppy. I just... <laughs> so, yeah, this this is like... Deb's whole plot line for the last two episodes has been, can she trust this new guy that she's seeing? And it's just been... Uh, it's, it's kind of a treading water sort of a plot, but, but there it is. And it's also a way for her and Lundy to bond a little bit. 
I totally agree. I think that it's that, that's just, yeah, treading water. It, there's no real point in it. I'd almost rather just see Deb at work being Deb doing police work. Uh, something that she's actually getting better at as the as the seasons go and you know and Lundy's helping her to really see that about herself and, and forming that confidence that she uh, doesn't always have or you know is looking to someone else to show to like give to her or whatever but yeah it's like it kind of sucks that we like have to always go back to Deb's love life as opposed to like developing Deb as a, a as a really good detective or something like that yeah I mean I think it, it works in that it's a it, it's a pretense for her you know on the face of it, it it looks like it's her learning to trust the boyfriend and what's really happening is she's growing a trust for Lundy uh, he's giving her good advice she's kind of starting to see him as a father figure she even jokes about that a couple of times uh so i think that part of it works um where it wouldn't make much sense for lundy's character if he was giving her advice about how to do her job because then it would be like she would have to be in some sort of a situation that she would screw up and then he would have to tell her how to do it better it's it's a lot safer to just have it be around this boyfriend but you know, overall, like Lundy as well is kind of stuck in this same rut of that's all they've been doing the last two episodes is, get, you know, Deb and Lundy have been getting to know each other better and she's got a boyfriend for the, the sex part of it. So she's got that taken care of and she can hang out with Lundy about the the having a friend or having a uh, someone that can give her advice, uh, an older and wiser presence in her life this this storyline it served two purposes for me one was it showed to the audience without her having to pull a gun on a child uh, <laughs> that, that she was still damaged from the things that went on in season one it's not like she just oh you know I'm fine now mm-hmm. and it allows Lundy to still be viewed as a good person by us because obviously we're going to be in Dexter on Dexter's side and this guy this jerk he's here to catch Dexter you can't you can't have that so the audience is already against Lundy so by making him the healing force in Deb's life it kind of gets us to root for Lundy a bit and and eventually ship them together. Yeah, um, we've got a couple of scenes with uh, Dexter and Rita's mom. Uh, that starts with Dexter helping remove an armadillo that somehow got into Rita's house. Um, I don't know how rampant armadillos are in Florida, but there you go. Dexter tries to make small talk with Rita's mom, but she bikes back and says, "I know what you are." Dexter confirms that he's in NA. Um, and Rita's mom tells Dexter that if he really loves Rita and the kids that he'll let them go so I mentioned this in another plot line because uh, it was kind of in the middle of a bunch of other stuff but Rita calls him later and uh, says that she'll deal with her mom about that that she's not happy with the way her mom did that and so later in the episode Dexter goes to Rita's Rita assures him that she's 
that he's part of the family. Uh, she says her mother is likely packing, and Rita's mom sits down at the table with them and says that she's decided to move to Miami full time and live with Rita. So, womp womp. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. I can't stand Rita's mom, and I really want Dexter to take her out, and I'm sure that's probably not going to happen, but... Uh, oh, Just, she, I mean, I'd rather see gonna... <laughs> the murdery stuff than see Rita's mom being passive-aggressive. Yeah. Well, he's got a, he's got a three-striker, so it's going to take some time. He's going to use the Paul method on her. Um, <laughs> three-striker with heroin, so it's really going to take some, some time this time. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be tough to get her to use heroin three mom. times. Who plays Rita's mom? Yeah. Joe Beth know. Williams. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. She the mom from amazing, Poltergeist. She does an amazing job of just like, dear God, this overbearing mother, please leave. Oh my God, uh, it's cringeworthy. It's so true to that kind of mother that it just, ugh, irks me. Yeah. I think we talked before uh, about how it's so weird that Rita comes from that and doesn't have any of those like negative aspects to her. She's not passive aggressive and because she was a victim nightmare. of that passive aggression for her whole life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last plot line here is just a quick scene. Um, it's the really the only forward momentum for Dokes and Laguerta. They're on a stakeout together. Dokes jokes that they can get into the car and pass the time like they used to. LaGuerre is worried about Dokes' mental health after killing two people. He makes this really silly face and says, it's a lot more than two. Uh, Dokes says, all you care about is your job, even if it means screwing Bertrand. LaGuerre says, how did you know that? And Dokes said, I didn't until just now. But I know you, Maria. I loved that part. Episode highlight right there. Yeah. Just a reminder that Dokes is is actually good at his job. The only person at Miami Metro <laughs> that is good at their <laughs> job. And also, he shamed Laguerta, so it kind of paid off on both levels. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, the director of this episode was Keith Gordon. He uh, directed the 1992 film A Midnight Clear, which I've seen, I saw it a long time ago, it was fairly good. Uh, On Dexter, this is his first episode of two this season, and he also directed season one, episode 11, Truth Be Told. After working on Dexter, he was on Homeland, The Leftovers, and Fargo. If I can just do a big throwback, he also was the star of Christine back in the 80s, just saying. Mm, Indeed. Yes. Good call on that one. Uh, and then the writer was Tim Schlotman, who uh, we've talked about quite a bit before. He did some work on Smallville. And uh, then he worked on the final season of Under the Dome, which we've already beaten to death with the joke that no one's ever seen it. Um, what was the best line of the episode, guys? On the ground, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Anytime Doke says something, followed by motherfucker, <laughs> it's my favorite line. It's the best line. I always eat lunch at one o'clock. You'll learn <laughs> that about me. <laughs> I went with sweet Mary, mother of fuck, that's good. <laughs> Just because anytime Deb can throw in a whole bunch of random filthy words, it's good. Yes. Uh, how about the worst line of the episode? 
I went with um, this isn't art; it's cottage porn. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, that is bad. Just be. You know what? I'll yeah, second that. I'll second that. That was it's, pretty bad. A dumb line. <laughs> it is. I was kind of scraping for a worse line because there was nothing really, really great, nothing really, really bad as far as lines. But I'm, I think that Masuka yeah. wasn't in it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rare, rare problem to find a bad line if Masuka's around. Uh, how about performance of the episode? You'd be hard pressed not to give this one to Michael C. Hall. The scene of his breakdown was great. Yeah, we might need a category called best performance that's not Michael C. Hall. Yeah, it's tough because that's what I had too. <laughs> I was just Same. like, he just does it, you know. I mean, it's his show, it's the show about him. Like, he's just really good at what he does. Best performance, not him. Aster's birthday party. <laughs> well, clearly Aster's birthday party. The armadillo. Uh, no, <laughs> just like Lundy. Yeah. Just pretty much anything Lundy does is awesome. So, But then we'd have to make that stipulation with the second season, too, where it's anybody <laughs> but Dexter or Lundy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, because I always want to pick Dexter Lundy. usually give it to Deb. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of torn on this one. I almost gave it to Rita just because of the scene where she really confronts her mom and we see her get really tough and aggressive yeah. and just like, you know, I've had enough. I, I almost gave it to her, but man, Michael C. Hall in this season is just so freaking good. Yeah, and guest stars for this episode are really strong. We talked about Rita's mom. Um, the guy that plays uh, the killer of Dexter's mom, one of the killers of Dexter's mom, I don't know his name. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's very good also. Yeah, there was really no bad performances in this one. Yeah. Well, unless you guys don't think the the actress that plays Lila is a good actor. I, I, <laughs> I think I she's pulling she's it off just fine. Actor. I don't think she's bad. I just think she's miscast, maybe. I don't Jamie know. Jamie Murray, it's it's actually funny. In a bunch of other shows, she plays the same type of character, just not quite as trashy. Which I think I would enjoy well, more. Yeah. It's it, what uh, what shows are these? Uh, she was in. <laughs> she was in where? Zach's pulling her up on IMDb right now. Uh, she she played H.G. Wells on Warehouse Thirteen. <laughs> Done. Writing it down. Yeah. I think she wore clothes on that one, though, Zach. I'm not she sure did. it's going to hold the she same level. She, she wore a Scratching suit. it off. wasn't on Showtime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for Episode 5, The Dark Defender. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks, you guys, for joining me and talking about this episode. And we will see you next time.